right, this is our new political segment. Uh, we like to call this Trilitics because I don't like talking politics on the show, so we created our own little segment for that. I don't like mixing it up with the Queen and Truck. That's th- what they do, and <clears throat> what this is is completely different. Um, on the show today, we have a good friend of mine, Charles Adams. Most people know him as Big Angry Law. Uh, you know, Harvard-educated attorney, uh, Houston police officer turned judge. And now he is, you know, back to being an attorney. And he has his own radio shows, Big Angry Law. Big Angry, it's the Big Angry Zero show. Yes, sir. And um, what's the other one that you, you do? Well, I did uh, Angry Justice, but right. we put that to bed. We started the Big Angry and Zero show in December. Um, trying to move away from the politics of angry justice more into social commentary. Oh, great. Well, it was perfect to bring you on the poli- political segment. I, I did two hours of political radio. I didn't want to do yeah. politics too much. I'm, I'm glad to have you on the show. The well, reason I you. bring you on the show is <clears throat> a lot of these conversations that we see when people may be sitting on the opposite side of, you know, whatever is happening with our administration or any new policies or just life in general. Um, the, the debates always become very fiery. Right. They're always very, you know, bombastic. And I didn't want to do that. I wanted to have a conversation about politics by two people who, even though they don't see things, you know, eye to eye on every subject, a lot of things we have in common, obviously. But for the things that we don't have in common, it's not a, you know, a tear each other down kind of thing. We right. could agree to disagree. Right. Um, so I figured you'd be a great person to start this this uh, segment with. Well, thank you for having me. I'm excited. Well, well it, was, it was my wife's idea. Yeah. Usually, Everything is usually my wife's idea. I mean, I'm on Team Queen. So. Hey, are we all? That's right. Uh, what I wanted to talk about today was uh, what the <clears throat> political term for it is, entitlements. Okay. And I know that this term is, is being thrown along a lot, especially with the new budgets being thrown out there and everything. And I wanted to have a segment about it because I don't think people really – think people really understand what entitlements are you know when they speak of entitlements they're talking about medicaid medicare social security and welfare right and um so trump's new budget plan that he put out is um particularly with the um welfare side is looking to cut the money that people are given for welfare for food stamps in particular right and bring back the days of government cheese powdered milk and all of that. What they're proposing is instead of giving people their full benefits, giving them half of their benefits and supplementing the other half with actual food that the government would send you. Okay. Now they're still not really sure exactly how you would get this food because some people are obviously don't have cars. So if there's a place that they have to go and get it, that's going to become a problem. They don't know if this is going to be something that USPS drops on your porch. Um, but I wanted to get your thoughts on entitlements in general and, uh, this particular new phase of kind of bringing back powdered milk and government cheese and what kind of message that might be sending to people of lower income. I brought this up earlier with people, and I think people were like, well, you know, got it mistaken that when I brought this up that this was just a black problem. Right. But there are more people, white people, on welfare than any other race of people. A, a huge multiple more of white people now. There is a larger per capita population of the African-American population on on entitlement benefits but that's just per capita but african-americans only represent about 13 percent of the general population and african-americans as the abortion epidemic grows african-americans how you actually have a declining african-american population in america 
um, and an exploding use of abortion as a vehicle to terminate pregnancy. I don't want to get into the abortion debate. Yeah, we'll, we'll have to talk about that on later. a different day. But entitlements, I, I think we we are. First of all, people have a misconception about the size of the enti- the budgetary size of entitlement programs, which is infinitesimally small as compared to the rest of the cost of the government. Yeah, as opposed and, to like military and all right. Sort of things. And in America, I have a problem with conservatives. I consider myself a, a libertarian centrist, but with conservatives who are for corporate entitlements, but not for entitlements for the poor. Right. I.e. tax reform. Right. Kind of well, entitlement period, when you're giving, and tax reform is a little bit different because that's a taking and you're just taking less. But when you have the government propping up corporations that are too big to fail or something, that's oh, nonsense. Government subsidies. Right. right. Subsidies. I mean, if, 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 the, if a corporation is going to fail, then we should just let the free market just cannibalize it and let it fail and maybe something else will pop up. I don't think in a, in a country as wealthy as America that any children should be starving that any children should go without health care because you shouldn't suffer in America because your parents made poor choices. I do think that we have so expanded the concept of disability to the point where dyslexia is considered a disability that we have so many people that instead of working, they, they think the dull is the only solution. And I do think the Democratic Party has sold the notion that we have to have this culture of dependency that keeps growing and growing and growing, and it is beginning to mirror the culture of dependency in Greece or other parts of Europe. And I, I think it's frightening because I think this country was built on self-reliance. I think if we were spending money, we should be much more concerned with making sure kids aren't starving, which you're going to have fraud in that, but that's fraud in it. It's about the delivery, right? Right. And that, that children have health care even if their parents don't. Um, and that we have a window of opportunity in America, safe schools, you know, schools where you're not threatened, right? Um, now, if you take the Republican mindset, it's often to just gut the budget for all these things, which is insane. But the flip side, you have, have the, the, the far left mindset is that the participatory American middle class needs to continue to take less and less of their own earnings. So it's a weird... You know, it's kind of hard. I mean, it's kind of hard where you draw the line. And for me, I draw the line with children and the truly disabled. Uh, what about the elderly, too? That becomes an issue, too. Yeah. So we're talking about entitlement, so that goes into Social Security. <sighs> that goes into Medicaid and all of these different things. Although I have empathy for the elderly, I have less empathy for the elderly than I do children. Um, elderly, at some point, you probably should have saved money and, and, and done things to prepare for old age. But a lot Although, of our elderly are invalid, too. Oh, no, no, I agree. And then, it, right. And, and frankly, we need to make sure that people aren't starving or homeless. Um, but we have this huge chunk of people in our generation. I'm 45. I think you're 40, I'm 44. 44. I'll be 45 in a couple And days. I'll be 46 three, day, two day, three <laughs> days later. Right. Um, but the, you know, I, we have so many people, our generation and the generation after us, that think the government provides the only solution. And I think that's insane. It would be, I mean, when people meet Bun B, they think you came out of the womb, Bon B, right? Right. But I know the story. I know the struggles. I know that the, the, the move from, from an unknown, you know, hardworking student who, you know, rejected the college path with a scholarship, right, to achieve greatness in a frightening ride, right? I mean, it's, it's not easy to be an entrepreneur, and a musician's an entrepreneur, but you had the fear, the guillotine of poverty or failure that pushed you. And we have so many people that don't even try anymore. Now, 
the government's to blame for a lot of it too. I was just about to say, well, I don't, I don't think the the, the majority of people of color that are using gov- government subsidizing or, you know, who's getting welfare. I'm not talking uh, about people of color. I'm talking about people generally. Just people in general. Right, right. Yeah, but I was just, well, my point was I don't think a lot of them, have, it's not their own fault for a lot of them. I know, now I know there's some See, I that, disagree. No, I know there's some, like, I'm not ignorant to the fact that some people just want to sit up and lay around on the sofa. I right. get that, right? But I don't think everybody wants to. I think a lot of people oh, end, no, up, yeah. end up in that situation, right. you know, primarily not by their own doing. I, I think we have a lot of issues with addiction that we're not addressing. Um, Mental and, health, and, for sure. Right. Well, and I think we're also calling everything a disease. Um, I don't think, you know, you had Johnny Manziel come out yesterday and say, you know, it was his bipolarism and his alcoholism that led him to be an asshole. Can I say asshole? Is it okay? Yeah, yeah, you're Okay. Um, it's a safe space. Okay. Well, I don't space. know the language. You know, I'm on the radio, so I'm always worried about But I don't think being a titled little prick is downstream from bipolarism or alcoholism. I think that he made the choice to his parents enabled him. We all remember the picture of his mom standing next to him in the club so he could drink. Um, I think it was bad parenting. And I think we want to call everything a disease and we want to call everyone a victim. Um, you know, he threw his life away because he, you know, was enabled by his parents and he's just, you know, he didn't have the drive to continue to succeed. But this um, is a kid from good means. I oh, mean, if tremendous you got, means. Yeah, if you got a kid from you know from means you know, that are far less than his, right. and he's dealing with bad parenting, then I mean we can't blame him See, for that, you know? Yeah, I, I, right. But I think we well, I think we're all responsible for our own actions, right? There was, I mean, you know, I, I grew up with a single mom in a rent house, okay, um, and I screwed off a lot in high school, right? A lot, a lot of, a lot of weed smoking, a lot of partying. Um, and it wasn't really until my second university, you know, cause I always did well at, you know, on tests and stuff at the university of Houston that I decided to get serious. You know, I become a young policeman, I get married, I have a kid and it really f- focused me. You know, I didn't want my kid going without the things I went without. And I, my mom gave me everything she could. Right. And, and I had that weird kind of that upper middle class every other weekend at my dad's house, which is very weird. And then, you know, but I had this drive to achieve, to give things to my children that I did, or mainly Madeline, my oldest one, that I didn't have when I was a kid. And, you know, I worked night shift. I went to school during the day. I didn't sleep. And, you know, I think anyone can do that. I think we still have a vehicle for opportunity in America, that, especially in Texas, where you still have more opportunity than like the Rust Belt, than, than most places in the world, right? And I think it all comes down to how hard you work. I mean, it's easy to look in the, in the, look at the success of UGK and think, oh, well, those guys just got lucky. You didn't get lucky. You worked your ass off, right? Uh, yeah, but, I mean, there, there, <clears throat> there were other, other things that came into play when it came to us being successful. It wasn't just us. We, <clears throat> we worked hard. We had somebody that was willing to invest in us. Right. You know what I'm saying? So I do understand that, you know, that people control their actions, but I don't think people can control the conditions, right? And I think that, you know, for you, maybe you had a little bit more of a semblance of what a better life could be, going to see your dad, middle-class lifestyle. Right. Other people don't necessarily get to see those other lifestyles or those other ways of living, and they start to feel as if this is kind of the condition <clears throat> that I'm, I'm but stuck what's in the cure? I, you see, the, the government, the liberal solution is just to throw money at it, at the individual. Whereas I think the cure is making sure we have better, safer schools. That I mean, 
Inner well, city Baltimore, yeah, I, okay? Yeah, if you exactly. read stories about the academic environment. I was it, just reading about Chicago having okay. to close so many schools. It's, it's terrifying for some of these kids in, in inner city schools. And it doesn't matter what color you are, you know, whether you're white, Hispanic, or African-American, that you go to a school that is a, a, a demilitarized zone of terror that, you know, success is punished by, by teachers who ignore you, um, students who are jealous and, and hurt you, and police who are more worried about drugs than they are about helping the kid that's being bullied. And that's insane. You know, first thing we need to do is end the war on drugs, right? Yeah. We end the war on drugs, we close the chasm between American police and American citizens. Okay, because right now we have all, a, a, a nation of citizen suspects, but they're just suspects for drug possession, right? The circularity is we're going to make drugs illegal because we think drugs will ruin your life. So we're going to ruin your life because we don't want you to ruin your life. And all it does is engender narco-terrorism and engenders law enforcement that's focused on the wrong damn things. Our police should be focused on keeping us safe from victimizers, right? Right. And in, in our, our government monies, and I will, I will agree to know in that we need to make sure kids don't starve and they have health care. But our government monies need to be designed to maintain the window of opportunity for Americans, right, of all colors, you know. And there's, we, have this, we have intergenerational poverty for so many people. And people want to say it's a black issue. It's not. It's a black, white, Hispanic issue. Right? I think we can see now with the last election that there is such a thing as intergenerational poverty that doesn't just exist within minorities. Right. And they often vote against their economic interest Absolutely. if you accept that their economic interest is the dole. Um, I don't think, like, I mean, we look at this tax plan. It didn't help the middle class. I mean, it did a little bit, but it was more focused on the uber wealthy. Right, right. Um, of and course, you see that as the progression of years go by. Right. Yeah. But, of course, we have a Bernie Sanders style of socialism, which Bernie would be president right now if the Democrats, if, if Debbie Wasserman Schultz didn't steal if the, the primary. If the DNC didn't, right, didn't undermine, right. undermine him. He is like I have my own business, right? I mean, I do the radio, um, but I have a business that is, is, is a law practice, and it's a small business. I have employees. And, you know, Sanders-style socialism threatens the viability of small businesses. So, you know, it's just this conundrum. But I don't think entitlements, expanding entitlements is a solution. I certainly don't agree with the Republican solution, which is, oh, people should be depending on charities. What we need to do is we need to focus on making sure there are windows of opportunity for those that want to participate. Okay? People that don't want to participate. And that's my thing. Like, there are people that want to you know, be productive citizens right. in this country. They want to contribute to this country. We see it, especially with the Dreamers. We see, you know, a right. lot of them very active in showing their American values. Right. You know what I'm saying? But it's, I think it's also, there. there's also a need for people to have the opportunity right. to show these things. And I think we need more of that. When you speak about schools, I, I think about the lack of after-school programs. Um, <clears throat> again, we talk about the violence in schools. Um, you know, the propensity the propensity of the gang activity increasing, but that comes from I think a lack of opportunity and a lack of interaction with the parents. I think we need more parents to be culpable for the actions of their children, which is why children kind of go to schools nowadays, I feel like, and they they don't you know, they don't really they aren't really concerned about any consequences for right. their actions at school and I think because there's no real consequences for their actions at home. Well, I agree. I think the broken home epidemic in America is to blame. You know, I was a latchkey kid at like eight years old. You know, yeah, me and I, my sister. I was, I was at nine. Right. We would walk home from school. 
and we were unsupervised. And I was, you know, I remember what I was 11 when I stole me and well, Kara Atkinson stole her dad's vodka and we got drunk. I was 12 the first time I smoked weed because I had this laissez-faire style of parenting where I was free to do what I wanted. Um, obviously, you know my draconian response with my children. <laughs> you know, there's a lot of carrot for my kids, but there's a whole lot of stick. And I've got a kid at, at, at the school you teach at Rice on an academic scholarship. And I got another kid at Harvard. And I think it's downstream, the smart ones at Rice. I think it's downstream from from me being very strict. And sometimes... It, you know, as I get older and they get older, it makes me sad that I did spend a lot of time yelling at them, you know. But I think having both parents in the household and, you know, me giving them no quarter, you know. I mean, Jonathan made an A- minus last semester, his first A-, minus, all, everything had been A's and A-pluses, and I yelled at him for 15 minutes. Now, that's absurd. You know, my sophomore year at LSU, I was getting drunk every day, um, being the worst possible person I could be. Um, but once again, my parents weren't involved, you know. But, Kathy but you don't want your kids. You don't want your. You want your kids to be the best of you, not just you. Right. You want I, I, them to right. be the better parts of right. you. Right. You know. And well, I want them to be better than me. I'm not. I don't look in the mirror and see a great person. I want them to be great people, and I think they have the propensity to do it. Um, you know, and I, I mean, you know, I feel the same way about your children. Uh, I mean, I, you know, the the artistic of your daughter is just amazing, you know, and, and, you know, obviously we've spent a lot of time, um, you know, I think you have to push kids and it's hard to push kids. Right. And it's, it's sometimes you're faced with the choice of being their friend or their enemy, you know, and sometimes being the enemy is the better solution. Well, sometimes you see, a uh, you know, an adult person, you know, mm-hmm. fully formed and then sometimes you still see the baby. Right. Right. <laughs> yeah. Now Madeline was, uh, yelling at me that she's an adult now, you know, she's 23 years old and 23 about a week ago and told me that she's going to decide where she goes to medical school next year. And it's not my decision, you know, but it's your money, right? right. My response is that's fine if you're paying for it yourself, but if I'm paying for it, I'm going to make the final say. And it might be, you know, the one in Texas that's cheaper. Now, Bun, you know me. Yeah. I mean, I'm going to pay for whatever the fuck she wants me to pay for. But it but does seem like you're addressing entitlements in your right. family. No, no, I agree. <laughs> I, no, it is entitlement. And that's the thing. That's why I think we need to always make sure that, you know, you've seen an assault on Pell Grants and other things. Oh, yeah. I think that's insane. Like, I think if people want to get an education, even if it's basket weaving, I think that's a bad idea, or English, or something that's not going to lead to our career, it's fine. But as long as you're pushing the ball forward in life, I think you should have a vehicle to do it. I think everyone made a mistake when we federally guaranteed student loans for these for-profit colleges like ITT and crap. Absolutely. But I, you know, I, I don't think adults should have their student loan for, forgiven if they go to a real school. Like I think a lot of kids were defrauded. Trump's university. Exactly. They were defrauded. That was robbery, and Trump University should have refunded that money. But I do think we need to make sure that student loans and Pell Grants are available, Pell Grants for people in poverty and student loans for people that aren't. Um, So people, because for me, it was always education was my vehicle. And I didn't understand it, even as a person with educated parents. I didn't understand how important it was to go to the best school you got into until, you know, I mean, because I have two law degrees. You know, I got my first one working night shift patrol here. You know, I was a policeman at night in in a law school. But until I went to Harvard, and shucked it all and borrowed a bunch of money. And then, you know, you go to Harvard and all of a sudden you're super employable. You know, everything changes for you. And I think that if, if we need to make sure that everyone that works hard enough academically to get into a Harvard 
gets to go. I had a client come in. You know, I have a criminal defense practice. I had a client come in and got a DWI leaving a bar and, and you know, that he also was next door to the bar that he worked in. And when I was talking to him, he told me that, you know, he goes to U of H, Clear Lake, but he had gotten to NYU. But he didn't go because of money. And if you do the work to get into NYU and you want to go to NYU, we need to make sure that these kids get to be there because that's how you become your most fully realized self. Exactly. And I have more sympathy for the hard workers. And I, you know, people can say it's a lack of empathy. But if you're just wallowing, I don't care what color you are, and you're an adult, okay, wallow, tough. I don't really think we need to keep Support expanding you. right, the concept of, of disability beyond. You know, it like pisses me off when you see people that can walk perfectly fine and I've got a stepfather with very advanced Parkinson's, right? Wheelchair bound. It's eating his brain. It's horrible. And he wouldn't park in a handicapped space until he was in a wheelchair. He'd use his walker. It'd take like 30 minutes for him to get inside Chewy's, and we're all just like waiting because it was a matter of principle for him. And we see, and it's, you know, people of all races, genders, anything, you know, the people that want to, you know, people that are racist are just stupid, right? You know, yeah. a racist person sees something he doesn't like and someone that's not homogenous to him and says that's the racist fault. But then you see someone that looks just like you that does something, and you think, well, that's the asshole. No, there's just a bunch of assholes in America of every color. And people, the healthy people parking in handicap spots or healthy people usurping a benefit, like you know, bringing your, your dog that helps you because you're blind on a plane versus bringing your dog that you just call an emotional support animal or your emotional support peacock that we right. saw a couple that weeks ago. That was ridiculous. You know, I mean, because we all want to usurp benefits for the disabled. And so, we need to have shame in America. So with in, so with entitlements, do you suggest leaning more towards a merit-based system for people to receive funds? Like you said, if people aren't being productive, they aren't actively right. trying to, you know, change their condition, if they are actively you know, trying to better themselves. Like you said, they make the grades. Should we be taking some of the money from these programs? Um, I think most certainly. moving it towards that? I think most certainly we need to have people that want to achieve be given an avenue to achievement. I also think workfare is better than welfare. If you tell people, now obviously most people want to get out of poverty, okay? But there's a great number that, that don't, right? And if you tell people, okay, you get this check, but you need to go get this work training. Or why not? have half of them work at a daycare, because that's a real problem with single women, is they, it's hard to get an education at work because the daycare costs more than you would earn. Right. So, but, you know, have, have you know, some of them work in a daycare and some of them go to school and then flip it, you know, or just have more innovative approaches. Because right now the left, they just want to throw money at the problem because they think that buys votes. But the right just wants to let people not have any opportunity. And, and then when you don't have any opportunity, that's when you have more crime. That's when you, I mean, we all suffer as a nation. And we need to make sure that there is as much opportunity for those of us that want to work. So yeah. should there be, I guess we think, leaning more towards there being an incentive for people to have their entitlements or to keep their entitlements at this point. You're right. I think we've got to incentivize everything in life, you know. But the, the problem is, you know, let's talk about veterans, okay? We're not doing enough for – we have, what, 22 suicides a day from veterans that fought? So the one thing that I agree on the current president about is that we have to take better care of our veterans. Okay. I think everybody – but that was me. That goes back to me talking about the elderly, too. Right. Most of our veterans are over 45, 50 but here's, years old. But here's the problem. If you have a real conversation about the suicide epidemic with the veterans, uh, we have resources for PTSD. We have private and public resources. 
but there's something that in the term that they use is malingerers. So you have all these people that aren't suffering that have you learned the coded language to get the benefits. So they go and say, Hey, I've got this, this, and this, and they don't have anything wrong with them. So they're depleting the budget for they're being, this. They're drawing on the system. Right. When they don't have, they're not the ones suffering, you know, and it's the ones suffering that it was designed for. So we have to get better about rooting out like social security disability. There are so many people on it that are just on it to get a free check. Right. Um, where it's supposed to be. So when someone has a genuine disability, they're often getting denied the first time because they just start denying everybody. So then it comes down to the people who, well, did you hire a lawyer or you didn't? And then you have the lawyer parasiting on the system and a lawyer deciding basically based on his relationship with the court and the government attorney. And he's not doing it for free, so even if you do right. get the benefits, you got to give up, you know, potentially a third of it to, or half of it. Right. I think it's twenty five percent is what they charge at social, but I don't know. I mean, it's a blood sucking parasitic practice, so I won't do it. I mean, I just think we need to get back into the mindset that you should be ashamed if you're able to work and you don't. You should be ashamed if you're able to walk and you park in a handicapped space. Yeah, I mean, we just need to get the concept of shame back. But we also need the concept of shame for CEOs. And that's the thing. You know, you have this dichotomy in America where everyone says one side's right and one side's wrong. And no one wants to talk about, well, maybe the middle's the solution and have conversations. You know, that's one <coughs> thing I love about our friendship um, is, you know, I used to be a cop. Now, I was always against the war on drugs, and I think I'm an enlightened fella. But I was a cop, and I was a judge, and you were, you know – Mr. Gangster Rap in the 90s. You yeah, know, pretty and, much. And, and, and not pretty much you were. You yeah. know, Pimp C was Mr. Pimp, <laughs> and, and you were, you know. I reflected the hardcore. Right. Well, you had it. You're right. And, and we can have these conversations while we're driving in a fucking race car across Romania, you know. I mean, that no, we, we can agree to disagree. And that's the real problem in America is that when, like, you have all so many people on the left screaming about if you supported if you voted for Trump you're a racist and a bigot okay so if if your goal is for him to lose in 2020 you're all you're doing is deafening ears and hardening hearts by by pointing at half the electorate and calling them racist and bigots right well it was the you know, the generates, as, as Hillary Clinton used the term. Right. Well, I think I think the bas- basket of deplorable. Basket of deplorable. I think that, that was... might have cost her the election. That and not paying enough attention to, to the you know Wisconsin and Florida. But if the real goal is to win in 2020, it's not by shouting and calling names, right? So I think you have a lot of people in America that are monetizing the resistance for their own gain, right? I think you have entertainers and comedians and musicians and whatever – that are screaming and yelling and calling names because it just gets them attention. If the goal really is to get a different president elected, it's not by calling people that elected Trump names. It's by engaging them in saying, hey, this is why we think this is so wrong and having this conversation. But then when people stand up for for what we feel are racist tones or racist statements by the president, then I think that's where a lot of that comes from. It's not necessarily... That <clears throat> just because you voted for Trump, you're racist. If you support, if you openly and outwardly support some of his views, which are, to me, obviously racist, okay. then that becomes a problem. And, and obviously, you know, <clears throat> I went libertarian. You know, I didn't vote yeah. for Trump, but I but do I, I'm talking about like the, the, the. I understand that the conservative Christian base is not 
well, a, a pack you... of, of, of races, but I do think that they compromise themselves with the Stormy Daniels situations and things like that. Right. So when you support that kind of a thing, right, then it changes my opinion of you based on how you tried to present yourself. I think there's tremendous hypocrisy, right? For, for, on for, both sides. Right, Keep right. in mind, because I right. cover both sides. And, and, and I think, see, and I think you were so close when you were following and telling me the stories in real time when you were following the Trump primary campaign. You saw a lot of the horrifying people that he manipulated to get him win the primary. He is a genius salesman. It was I a mean, bully pulpit for right. sure. But people forget. I mean, he defeated the two most powerful political dynasties of our lifetime. Okay, and we can say the Kennedys, but I don't think they count anymore. The Bushes and the Clintons. Bushes he did and both. the Clintons. And and you know he did it by by treating politics like a blood sport, like business. But you know, I, I think my issue with with denigrate, you can denigrate Trump without denigrating those that supported Trump. You can denigrate the people that are members of the alt right and, and, and propagate racism without denigrating people that are ideologically conservative because they think that's the only solution for their you know their own personal well being. You know, Obamacare did it helped the poor a lot, but it was destructive for middle class America's budgets. Right, it, it would balloon the cost of it. Um, you know, the the taxes. As, as the, the, the tax rate pushes higher, it takes those of us that get up every day and work every day. It removes more of our income and our ability to do for the ones we love. And I do believe charity should be a choice, right? I don't think you should be forced to support other people unless you want to. Um, and I think that's just the, you know, but I do think you need to have conversations, right? And I think, like, we have this conversation where no one's going to get pissed off and on, on Twitter or, or anywhere else. And it's not that we're having a safe conversation and avoiding the elephants right, in the room. That's right. the other thing. Because there's a way for us to have a safe conversation about these things and to go out of our way to not offend anyone. Right. Right? But we get nothing accomplished. But the thing is, it, even if we have an idea that offends the other one, we don't walk away from this thing and fuck that motherfucker. We walk away from this, hey, where are we going to go eat on Friday? You know, and that's how yeah. Americans should be. We should get back to, I mean, the, our democracy was founded on people having a dichotomy of views, right? We, we, our democracy was basically an agreement that a society's not going to agree, so we need to vote on it, and the winner wins, and yeah. you respect the outcome of the election. Um, there's, you know, we've just moved so far, and now all we want to do is yell at each other, not us, but, you know, America, and we just want to, you know, we, we want the, le the right wants to call the left libtards, which is such a horrible term. Or and, cucks. And, 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 right, and then the, the, the new default is to call the right racist. Racist, You know, yeah. and it's, I mean, we've got all flavors of bigotry in America, right? But bigots are stupid people. Right, and and I and I will never fault someone for telling a, a bigot that's a bigot. You know, calling him every kind of name in the book, but just simply because you don't support the expansion of entitlement programs, or you don't support weakening of the military, or you don't ex uh, support a, a larger income tax, doesn't make you a bigot. It just means your priorities are different than people that are offended by the notion of the wall, or you know. Um, you know, I don't want immigration to be a whole hour. Yeah, we'll, we can, yeah, we'll, we'll we can come, do that we'll talk later. about that next time. But, I mean, you know, there are those that say, you know, if you support Trump, period, you're supporting his attack of the Hispanic federal judge. You're supporting his his attack of DACA. Um, no, maybe it's just that that isn't important to you and your household and other things that he says resonate with you. Um, you know, I, but. I how, a, so how accountable are we to the people that we elect? 
I think that we, I mean, I think America as a whole is accountable, right? I, I think we can't treat it like one side or the other. I think whoever wins is our president, right? And I, and I preached this to the, the conservatives who said all kind of horrible things about Obama, Obama and Obama supporters. Right. Um, I think you can attack the policies and the statements of the president and still respect the office of the president, no matter which side won, right? Um, I think that obviously if Hillary would have won, the, the right would have been screaming all these the other same things. same thing. She's and, a criminal. She's a criminal. Right. And we just need to get, I mean, we kind of need to get past it. I mean, I will tell you that I think the media, you know, for, for the longest time we had Fox defining a narrative for conservative America. Um, and they were the outlier, whereas other media was more facts-focused. I do think we've gotten to the point where most of the media has a narrative that they're selling. Um, I think if, if, if we flip the script and it was a Republican president who allowed for a FISA court to issue a warrant to spy on the campaign of a Democrat candidate, that's Watergate all over. It's worse than Watergate. People are going to prison. But because it was a, a liberal administration spying on a conservative, and if you can call Trump conservative, he's more populist, that the narrative is somehow different. And we need to get back to truthiness in America, no matter who it hurts or what side it's on. So so where do we go to hear the voice of that? Do they come here? I, I think I think they come to Trilitics, especially if, if, if Big Angry is a regular uh, guest on it. I hey, think man, we, I, we get straight I, to the truth. I couldn't truth. agree to disagree with a better person. <laughs> Thank you for coming over, hey, Charles. Thank you so man. much, sir. Thank you guys for listening to Trilitics.